All right. Well, I hope that sticks with you. The reality is there's going to be times in everyone's life where you're up against something and you wonder, can he really, can he really do that? Can he really undertake? Can he really rescue me from this? Can he give me peace in this? Can he give me joy and comfort? Does he have a plan for my life? Is he really who he says he is? And the reality is that we always need to come back to a place where we can be reminded that, yes, he did, and yes, he can. And no matter how big the thing is that's in front of you, and for some of the young people here this morning, the graduates that are looking at this upcoming change in chapter in their life or the turning of a page in their life, that can be overwhelming at times. Some of you are going through a lot of different mixed emotions right now, where on one hand it's exciting to move on, to move forward, to see the next page turn, to wonder what the future holds, and it's terrifying at times also. So as you go through that, you think there's going to be times where I see obstacles, I, think, I see big things in front of me, but the thing to remember is that I have a much bigger God no matter what those things happen to be. So before we get started here, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, thank you for your love, thank you for even these specific graduates that we're honoring here this morning. Thank you that you've allowed them to be a part of our life for whatever amount of time that's been and pray that they would continue to be a part of our lives. Pray that we could celebrate who they are by celebrating their faith in you, that we wouldn't get caught up in even focusing too much on achievements from the world's perspective and the, wor- the way the world sees things, but that we would see the thing that we've always been able to celebrate about them is that they're dear to you, that they were so precious to you that you bankrupt heaven and sent your only son to die in their place so that if they would put their faith in you alone, your finished work, your death, burial, and resurrection on their behalf, that they would be born into your family and that you'd never let them go and that you've told us that everyone who has done that or has put their confidence in you is a Christ one, is a Christian. They're a brother and sister in Christ and so they become a part of our family too. Pray that we could celebrate that common bond that we have, though we might not have much of anything else in common and though the paths that we take in life might take us to very different places, they may be filled with very different adventures or circumstances, pray that we could just enjoy this time we can be together today to celebrate this churning of a chapter, this, this part of their life and what lies in front of them, but that we could do that as a celebration of a family that is celebrating together with that common bond and faith in you. Pray that you'd undertake to give me wisdom here, even as I share a message about graduation or for these graduates. Pray that this time that we can spend celebrating afterwards would bring you honor and glory. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as most of you know, if it, if it caught you by surprise, then I guess you just lucked out because today is going to be a more fun day than even normal just that we have dedicated, set-aside time that we're going to have to celebrate with our faith family here, but to celebrate the graduation of these young people that are here with us this morning. So we get to celebrate this new chapter in life that they have in front of them. Graduation is one of those milestones, if you will, in anyone's life where it sort of corresponds with going from being a young adult to being, I guess, just an adult. I, get, I even use the phrase young adult because you'll always be young to me. 
Uh, but the reality is that most of you are right on the cusp of turning 18 and, and or you already have turned 18. And so that's something that lines up with this ending of your, your, your I don't know what the word is for it, your, your basic education, the education you've been going through for all the way up to this time. It corresponds with uh, that chapter in your life where you're also becoming a, an adult. And so we're going to celebrate that accomplishment. We're going to celebrate that happening in your life because it is a milestone. And we're going to celebrate the love and care that we have for you. It's not just random strangers that we're celebrating. You could go to a graduation service anywhere and celebrate the accomplishment of young people and the fact that they were able to make it through school, though truth be told, the school is going to push them through one way or the other. But we can celebrate with these particular young people because we love and care for them. They've been a part of our lives. They're important to us and they're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're actually here to celebrate them more than we are to celebrate any particular accomplishment on their part. It just happens to be the day that they uh, are graduating and we're going to make it a special day for them. And I'm really happy that we could. But before we enjoy a meal and a time of fellowshipping with them and talking with them and catching up on their, on their plans and things like that, I want to share a little bit of an abbreviated message with you here this morning. I actually mainly want to share it with them, but you're along for the ride. So, But the title is, on the screen you can see it, Don't Forget. Don't forget. And it's easy to forget or leave things behind during frantic times of transition in life. It's easy to forget or leave things behind during all of that hubbub that's going on with a major life change or a transition in life. And what I've seen or experienced over the years, partially in my own life, when I went through this phase myself, and I know that's getting harder and harder to believe that I did go through that phase, but there can, accompanying that can be this desire to experience the new. And that desire to experience the new can result in abandonment of everything that becomes identified as old. And that can include different aspects of the way that you live life or your manner of living. It can include different aspects of the way that you think or your manner of thinking. And there's this just natural inclination at times to say that because I'm moving on to something else, I should focus only on new things and forget about the things that I'm now going to characterize as old. And it's not just you that feels that pressure. There's a tendency within young people as they move off into those early phases of adulthood that many of the people around them are all focused on the things that they want to experience that are new. And oftentimes what gets forgotten are the things that serve to be their foundation all along to get them to where they were to begin with. And that's why the title here is Don't Forget. You see, young people can perceive the established way of life that they've had as stale and mundane. Newfound independence, autonomy, and freedom encourage or promote at different times letting go and moving on instead of clinging to and standing fast, which often are the things that you actually needed most. You didn't need to let go and move on. You needed to stand fast and cling to that foundation that you'd been given 
getting up to this point, but all of the natural pressure, all of the world's programming, all of the world's messaging is leave everything behind and move on to this thing that is new. But this thing that is new is not necessarily helpful for you. You see, everything and everyone associated with childhood is often on the chopping block during this phase in life. And I know some of you say, no, that won't be true. But all of a sudden what can happen is that the things that you used to stand for, the things that you used to value most, the things that you used to believe in the most, the people that you cared about the most, all of a sudden they become old news and those phone calls get less and less, those visits get less and less. The amount of time that you spend thinking about the word of God becomes less and less. You have less time for a family of believers. You have less time for church, you have less interest in the things of faith, and you say, no, that can't be. And I'm telling you this as a warning in many ways. Don't forget the foundation that you have because that does naturally happen. It sometimes happens intentionally, but most often it happens unintentionally. Sometimes it happens consciously where you just, all the way up to this point, you've been sort of building yourself up to letting go I, I can't stand the way things are and I can't wait to move on to the next thing and to let go of the way things were. And you look around and some young people, that's where they're at. I don't, I don't know your heart. I don't know where you're at. I hope that's not the case because not everything about the foundation that you've had in your life has been bad. Some of it has been very positive. So when you have this overwhelming desire at times to move on to the new and let go of the old, that can include both positive and negative things. You see, it's healthy to let go of negative things. Some of the stuff that you've gone through, some of the stuff that you've experienced, some of the roads that you've been down already in life, they haven't been healthy. <laughs> There's some things about your personality or your way of thinking that are actually holding you back, that are actually have been negative, especially when you're thinking about the things of faith. And you know, if you're looking for something to get rid of, there probably are some bad things or negative things in your life that you could jettison out the window. But also what happens when that you have that overwhelming mentality of moving on to the new things is you end up letting go of the positive things too. You end up jettisoning the old things the, that were positive and useful and helpful and protective and beneficial and centering in your life and those get thrown out as a baby with the bathwater as the saying goes. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. In, in, in an effort to get rid of the dirty water, you end up throwing out the, the thing that had the most value too. So I would say just be thinking about that. And I, as I was thinking about it myself, I thought, you know, the less established something is in your life, the more likely it is to be forgotten. And so, you know, as a young person myself, I don't have to put this on you, there's some aspects of the things that you've heard about the things of faith, this foundation that your parents and even the local church, Sunday school teachers, camp counselors, VBS teachers have tried to instill in you about the things of faith. There's some of that that sunk in and there's some of it that never really did where you might be sitting there saying, I've heard, I, I've heard all the stories. I, I thought I had it all figured out. I knew, I knew all the stories and I've learned to talk about how you are mighty to save. But in reality, those were only empty words 
on a page and I've never really tasted and seen that the Lord is good for myself. You need to look at that, think about that as you're going into this next phase in your life and say, what have I really learned about my God? And do I, am I in a place where I can afford to quit learning more about him, quit investing time into getting to know him better? And the answer is no. I'll, I'll help you with that. The answer is no. You can't afford to do that because you haven't learned as much as you thought. Maybe you have. And God wants to draw you nearer to himself. He wants to show himself to be more real to you than he already is. And unfortunately, when you think about sort of moving on or leaving things behind, this tendency to leave things behind, it applies to spiritual matters as well. And it's not unique to young adults. I'm talking to you this morning because you're the focus of our our celebration here this morning. But when I say don't forget, everybody has a tendency to forget. If you've been with us, any, any of you that have been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. The whole theme of the book of Deuteronomy arguably is don't forget. Remember your God. It, it, it's sort of a warning in some ways that you've been reminded how critical your success is going to be to whether or not you will remember your God. The whole book is about that, and it ended up being the kind of thing that the, the story of the nation of Israel, which was tragic in many ways, in almost every way, uh, it was a tragic reminder of what it looks like to forget your God. And over and over and over, God warned them, do not forget me. Without me, you can do nothing, as it says in John 15. So over and over in the word of God, we're told, don't forget, don't forget, don't leave me behind, don't trade me in for the next glittery thing that bauble or that treasure that seems so attractive in the moment, don't trade me in for that. But you see, nobody is immune from it. And there's those that have sat in this front row just a couple of years ago that are still living in the area. They could be here. They could be living life with us. They could be hearing the word of God taught. They could be a part of a fellowship of other believers, and they're not. I I wish I could say that most of them were here, but the reality is that's not true. The sad reality is that most of them are not here, and I'm, I'm only talking about the ones who could be. And I run into them. I see them around. I love them dearly. I still have invested a lot in their lives as they grew up, but for whatever reason, they've been captivated by other things, and they've left this behind. And so don't forget. Don't leave the Lord behind. I want to pull out just a couple of, a couple of maybe call it 60 verses that we can look at here about this here this morning. See, the Bible, it exhorts us to remember the Lord over and over again. And actually, I'm only going to share two verses about that, but then I'm going to remind you of a few general principles. But over and over, you could find this. I picked these two examples from Timothy because they're both very good. But as you've seen on the screen, remember the Lord. So when you talk about don't forget, I hope you don't forget me. And I know your parents are sitting there saying, I hope you don't forget me. And some of your friends are sitting here saying, I hope you don't forget me. Some of your Sunday school teachers are saying, man, I, don't hope, I hope they don't forget me. But don't forget the Lord. You can forget me, that's fine. Don't forget the Lord. Remember the Lord. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy, who he has this sort of uh, mentorship role with. He says, you're like my son in the faith. I, I see you that way. I have this deep affection for you, and I want you to thrive in your life. I want your life to be amazing. So Paul has this deep parental kind of a love for Timothy, and that's where he's coming from when he gives this advice in 2 Timothy as 
he's about to die, he says this to Timothy and he says, I, I hope you can remember this. Now what you heard from me, now, that was a lot of truth about who Jesus was, what he had done, truths about Christian living, principles about the word of God. But he says, keep those things as the pattern of sound teaching. Keep that as the pattern in your life with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So you're not going to cling to what is good. You're not going to remember these things that are most important through your own strength. But the Spirit of God inside of you wants to help you stand fast in the things of faith that could actually guide your life in a way that would give your life meaning would give your life direction, would give you contentment, would give you God's peace, (coughs) would let you experience God's joy. So guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. I like how that version has that. But look at this language, guard it. Guard it has this language of, this is very intentional. I can't just accidentally guard the good deposit. I have to be intentionally guarding what was entrusted to me? And I know it's easy. I, I've been there. I know it's easy to just take this for granted. You are so blessed that somebody told you about Jesus Christ and shared with you some of the truths from God's word. But this is a well that is endless and will never run dry. You have been so blessed to be entrusted with some of this truth. It's not enough There's more to learn, but what a blessing. Now guard the good deposit. Now, in a different letter he wrote to Timothy, Paul says this, 1 Timothy 4, 16. He says, take heed to yourself. See the intentionality there? That's not an accident. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. So what are the things that you need to be most fixated on in life? Guarding the good deposit in the local bank? Guarding the deposit in your 401k account? No, guarding the deposit of truth that was entrusted to you. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, not to everything the world says is important, your career, building a home for yourself, building a life for yourself. All those are important. I'm I'm not dragging them down. They're necessary. They're just not more important than continuing in the doctrine that was entrusted to you. Now, what does he say the benefit of that is? For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You're going to have other people in your life. You're going to have significant others. You may have children. They'll think long and hard about that. You may have people that you come into contact with. It's not going to benefit them at all if you haven't hung on to the truth that you were taught. How could you be of any benefit to them and to teach them the life-saving truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for you? You couldn't. So then the next thing here, what are some specifics? So you say generally remember the Lord. Okay, remember the Lord. That would be enough. We could stop there, but we're not. I have a few categories here, three of them. There's three specific things that I want to talk to you about here this morning. Remember what about the Lord? Well, remember what he has done for you. What he has done for you. And of course, it starts with he saved you. He provided a way of rescue for you from the eternity that you were facing apart from him. 
Now, I don't need to, I, I look at all of you and know that you've heard this message over and over, but just generally, of course, we recognize that we were born associated with the race of Adam. Because of the association with the race of Adam, we were associated also with the sinfulness of Adam. And the sin that had come and it had wrecked and had spoiled everything that God had made that was perfect. It had tainted everything. And then in addition to being associated with sin, we sinned ourselves. We were given opportunities to either respond to the Lord and his righteousness or to make choices that were in opposition to what God says is right and we all made choices that the Bible describes as being sin. The problem with that, of course, was that God was perfectly holy. God was perfectly righteous. And being perfectly holy, he couldn't have a close relationship with sin because he was holy. He couldn't be tainted by sin. He could have nothing to do with sin and still retain his holiness. But God also, he looked at us and he said, I see the predicament that you're in. I didn't want it to be that way, so I've come up with a way of rescue. I've come up with a way to fix that, to break down that wall of sin that was separating you from me because I love you that much. And so God in his love, we know he broke down that barrier of sin that was separating sinful man from a righteous and holy God through the person and work and the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ died on a cross for sins he had never committed. He died for your sins and for my sins. And as he died on that cross, he died to make a way for you to get to him. That was the whole point of it. So he died in your place. Your sins were put on him. He paid for all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, every man, woman, and child. He paid for not some of them, but all of them. And as he gasped his last breath, he said, it is finished. All of the debt that was owed for all of man's sin, for all of time, has been fully satisfied by my substitutionary death in your place. The debt's now been paid. So the question wasn't, Has the debt been paid? The question is, will you appropriate that payment to your account? And now how do you do that? The Bible says you either believe it or you don't believe it. You either put your faith in it or you don't put your faith in it. You either accept it or you reject it. You either concede the sufficiency of it or you say that wasn't sufficient and I must do something to add to what you already said was perfect. So those are the different choices that people have. And the Bible over and over and over says the one who believes... That person I will never let go. That person is born into my family. That person becomes my child. That person will spend all of eternity with me, not because of who they are, but because they've accepted who I am and what I've done for them. So then you think about that. Can that get old to you? Can that message get old of Jesus and what he provided for you, how he provided a way to him for you through the sacrifice of his son? Can that get old? Some of you are nodding. Internally, none of you would be so bold to nod outside. Some of you have heard that thousands of times. Some of you that has been become as stale as a bag of potato chips that was left out in the lawn for the last two weeks. I don't, you say, I have no excitement about that anymore. I've been hearing that since the day I was born. Now you got a choice. You can either rethink about that, refocus your thinking. You can either change that perspective and say, what a goofball way of seeing things. Every day I should celebrate with jumping jacks and a shout of joy 
how much God loved me so that he would sacrifice himself for me so that he would give me access to life with him in this life and in all of eternity. That's the thing you should celebrate. Don't forget that. Don't start to see it as being so stale. And one of the verses that you've certainly heard is Titus 3, 4, 5 through 5a here. But when the kindness and the love of, our sa- of God our Savior towards men appeared, what was the basis of all of this? What was the, the focus of all of this? The love of God. Now it appeared to all men. How, how was that? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it was not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it was according to his mercy that he saved us. It wasn't because we were so attractive to him. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We were considered aliens from God. We were viewed as his enemies because we were not promoting what he was all about. We were standing for the things that he was against. But not through any works on our part, but because of the work of Jesus, he saved us. That was at a point in time in the past, but how about in the present? What effect did that have on the present? Well, this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Remember what he's done for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how are you in Christ? You put your faith in what Christ did for you on the cross. The moment you believe in him, you become in Christ. He comes to live inside of you through his spirit. You are now identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. On your behalf, you are now described as a child of God. And he says, I will never let you go. But that person is now what? A new creation. The old things have passed away. This is what God has done for you. He gave you the ability to really live life. And all things now have become New. So you think about what has he done for me presently? What is he continuing to do for me in the present? Well, here's some more verses I want to remind you of. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the kind of God that you have in your life. Don't forget him. He's able when you were kids, some of you learned this song when you are kids. He's able, he's able. You guys want to sing it? little impromptu special? Who's for it? No. I know he is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Now, I know most of these young people know that song. In fact, they'd have done a better job singing that than I do singing up here. But he's able. Do you know that? Do you remember that? I hope you don't forget that. He's able. And you think about a more specific variation of that. Paul says this in Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul had absolute confidence. He didn't, he could have written this. He could have said, might. And my God might, if he's awake today, if he's paying attention today, he might supply all my needs. But he says, my God shall supply all of your need. Remember that. Remember what he continues to do for you. Here's the last one in this section. Now may the God of peace, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. That's the kind of God we're talking about. Remember what he's done for you and what he continues to do for you. He is the kind of God who can raise from the dead. There's no problem that you have that he's not bigger than the great shepherd of the sheep. Now how did he do that? By the blood of the eternal covenant. May he, what? Equip you with every good, everything good that you may do his will. 
He's working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. That's what he's doing for you. You're not doing this in yourself. It's his, his spirit doing this in you. His spirit is working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. When is that happening? When I'm not resisting, when I'm not fighting him. When I'm a yielded vessel in his hands and I have my focus on him, then his spirit is free to work inside of me. I don't do the work. My part in this is to make a positive volitional decision each day. Where am I going to have my focus? And if my focus is on him and I have a desire to let him work in my life, he says that he is going to work in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And that's why we can give him the glory forever and ever. That's how he's working in you. That's what he has done for you. That's what he continues to do for you. Now, the second thing I want you specifically to remember, and I could, have, I could have gone on for hours today about the things that I hope you specifically remember about your God, but I hope you remember how much he loves you. Forget even about everything else I say today. You are desperately loved. You are desperately loved by many, many people in this room, and all of you are loved by me. But you are desperately loved by him in a way that no human could even come close to. And I know that that feels like a a little bit of a jab at your parents because they love you so much too. But God, his love is so much more infinitely greater than any kind of human love. And nobody can wrap their mind around it. I can't wrap my mind around that completely. I don't know the full measure of that completely. I, one day when, I'm, when I see him face to face, I think I'll know it. Now, I know that I'll know it more so than I do now, but that is the kind of love that the sovereign God of the universe has for you, not just this whole church. He has for you specifically. He desperately was thinking of you when he sent his son to die on the cross. It wasn't just the whole world that he was interested in. It was you that he was interested in. And never forget that. There's going to be times where you don't feel very good about yourself. Other people have torn you down and they've made you feel not very good about yourself. But what they think about you, what you think about yourself, that's irrelevant compared to what he thinks about you. The thing that's going to give you stability in your life is no matter what you're going through, I am desperately loved by the God of the universe. He loves me dearly. And he wants to provide for me. He already provided a way for me and now he wants to keep providing a way for me. And here's a few verses I want to share about how much he loves you. John, we've been going through, we took a pause today for this service, but we've been going through 1 John verse by verse. We're in the fifth chapter now, but in the third chapter, verse one, John says this and he, he, like, he like says this as like a, shouting this out in amazement. He says, behold, what manner of love The Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You are a child of the Heavenly Father and He loves you desperately. Jesus says this in John 14, verse 9, as the Father loved me. And how much did the Father love the Son? In an infinite measure that we would have no way of comprehending. But as the Father loved me like that, I have also loved you. Now abide in my love. That means to remain in my love. Stay in my love. Live, live in that space. Set up, your, set up your way of living, your manner of thinking, in the love of God, the love that he has. Let that be the thing that is surrounding you as you're going through life. And here's a little bit longer passage, but a great passage about how much he loves us. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 says, But God... 
who is rich in mercy. Now, why is he so merciful to us? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Write that on your notebooks. Write that on the dash of your car. His great love. It's not, adjectives are so beautiful. You can pass through language and you can say, I never noticed the the language. What an adjective. His great love. Not just a small love, a great love. Now, when did he love you that way? He loved you that much, even when we were dead in trespasses. Now, if he loved you that much before you even knew him, before you even put your faith in him, before you were even born into his family, how much must he love you now? Now, even when you were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And it's all by his grace that you've been saved. Then what? And then he raised us up together. He's talking about our identification with Jesus Christ. We've been identified through our faith in the person and work of Jesus with his death, his burial, and his resurrection on our behalf. He raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? That in the ages to come, we would be trophies of his grace. He could point to us as examples and trophies of his grace. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He could point, there's exhibit A. That's how much grace and love I have as the God of the universe. There they are. He can point to us and say, there they are. They're the proof of the depth of my love. Just look at them. How much grace I had for them. And now here they are with me for all of eternity. How amazing is that? For by grace then, this is the part most of you know, you have been saved through faith. You weren't saved because of what you'd done for God or how how much you'd done for Jesus. It isn't because of how much you tried or all the rituals that you went through. You were saved by grace through faith. You put your faith in what Christ had already done for you. Grace is something that has to be freely given and it has to be freely received. It's not of yourself in case you're confused. You can't work your way into this. You can't earn this. It wouldn't be a gift then. It would be a reward or it would be a payment being made for services rendered. But it's a gift of God. And in case you were still confused, it's not of works. Two times, it's not of works. It's not of yourself. It's not of works. It's a gift from God. You either accept gifts or you reject gifts. That's the only way you can deal with gifts. So remember how much he loves you. Last thing here, I promise you're actually pretty close to being done. You've done well. I told him, today you can't sleep. Other days, if you nod off, I kind of just, you know, I did, no big deal. Doesn't, I shouldn't say that. Uh, it doesn't affect me at all. I know, I know that you got busy lives or whatever. But don't sleep today. So you're, you almost made it. You're close. The last specific thing that I want to encourage you to remember about your God is his plan for you. He didn't set you on this earth and give you no direction. Now, I know some of you kind of feel like it was, if it was hard, it was difficult, but I finally got a plan worked out. I got a plan for where life is going to go. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I hope you wrote it in pencil. Life doesn't work that way. Some of what you even have planned maybe will turn out, but a lot of it doesn't. The more you live, the more you realize I'm not really in control of anything. What I can do, though, is I can trust the God who is in control. That's what I can do. The thing that can give me stability on the waves of life, 
on the rocky storms of life, the thing that can give my boat some sort of a clear line of sight is faith in the one who is in control because you're ultimately not in control. But he does have a plan for you. He didn't throw you into this earth and then say, I'm not going to give you any direction. He says, the, the Bible says, the steps of a good man are directed or ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The Lord delights in the path that he has in front of you. It says, though he fall, he will not be cast down because the Lord is holding him in his hands. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God gave you direction. And here's his plan for you. Just a couple of things. Again, that could have been many sermons in and of itself. God's plan for your life. But these are ones that I want to highlight. Three verse, three different verses. Here's the one. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you. This has the idea of I'm pleading or begging. I'm begging you. Now, who is he doing that to, brethren? And I'd be doing the same thing here this morning. You're my brethren. You're my brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm your kind of old, weird uncle, but uh, still, I'm, your, I'm, I'm still your relative. I shouldn't say uncle, brother. I'm your brother. Because if we're both siblings in the family of God, then we're brothers and sisters. But I beg you, by the mercies of God, that you would do this. This is God's plan, that you would present There's a positive volitional decision here. You have to choose this. God isn't going to present your bodies as living sacrifices to serve him. He's not going to do it for you. Now, he's going to be the power source that makes it possible, but he's not going to make that decision for you. You got to decide. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You have to make that decision. Am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for the one who loved me and gave himself for me? But I beg you, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a walking, talking, living sacrifice for Jesus, one who wants to serve him with your life. Now that is holy and acceptable to God. And also it is your reasonable service. I prefer to say a response here. Well, I guess that I'm not going to write that. It won't let me. <laughs> That's your reasonable response. When you see how much he's done for you, You've seen the life that he can provide you. You see that peace, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. When you see that in my presence there's fullness of joy and I did write that in your graduation cards. If that's where joy, enjoyment is, is that, if that's where contentment is, if that's where peace is, it's not reasonable that you would want to live life anywhere else. But what's the alternative to presenting your bodies as an instrument, a yielded instrument that the Lord could use? Well, do not be conformed. What is the world trying to do? It's trying to fit you into its mold. And you say, no, it's not. I'm my own self. I'm such an individual. You're not. Even the rebellion and the effort to be an individual is not being an individual because that is what the world teaches, to be rebellious, to never conform, to never, to never fall in line, to never take any instruction, to always be your own God effectively. But don't be conformed to this world. This refers to the world's way of thinking, the world's way of prioritizing things, the world's focus on, on various accomplishments and, and value systems. Don't be conformed to that, but instead be transformed. This is God's will. Be transformed, how are you going to do that? By renewing 
your mind. You're not going to renew your mind by never coming back to this place, by never hearing the word of God, by never reading the word of God, by never praying to your God or talking to him, by never fellowshipping with other believers around the things of faith, by chopping them out of your life altogether. You're not going to renew your mind that way. But if you do renew your mind, then you will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a perfect plan for your life, but it includes him in it. You cannot experience God's will for your life if you exclude him, if you don't take him with you, if you don't bring him with you to the places that life is going to take you. It might not be here. Maybe you'll move. Maybe you'll go somewhere else. Maybe it'll be a different church. I hope it's some church. It's not about, maybe it doesn't include me, but I hope it includes him. You've got to be willing to take him with you to wherever life is going to lead you if you want to experience life the way he planned, and he calls that the abundant life. Now, his plan for you also includes that you would shine his light to others. Cover this very briefly. Matthew 5, 14a and 16 says this, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God wants to use you as a reflection of him. That's his plan for you. Okay, so you go to college. So you don't go to college. So you work at the auto parts store. So you don't work at the auto parts store. So you live in your van. Whatever it is, be a light for Jesus. Be a reflection of him. God is infinitely less concerned about what you do with the details of your life than he is regarding whether you include him in your life or not whether you reflect him through your life or not. He would much rather have you include him and reflect him than anything else. The rest of it is just details, and you need to pray that he would give you guidance and direction with the rest of it. But that's not his concern. His concern is, are you going to be a reflection of my light into the darkness that I've brought you into? Not, are you going to conform yourself to the darkness and become just like the darkness so that you're indistinguishable from the darkness. A light stands out like a a sore thumb in the darkness. The light is so bright, it's such a contrast to the darkness. And that's what God wants for you. And the last verses are, are this here. What is God's specific plan for you? 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Now then, we are, not we might be. If you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you are an ambassador for Christ. The question isn't, are you an ambassador? The question is, are you a good one or not? Are you a faithful one or not? You are an ambassador for Christ. Now, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador is just a spokesperson. An ambassador doesn't create the message. An ambassador promotes the message of another. So what's the message of the other? In your case, it's the message of God. What's the message of God? He wants to plead through you to other people that they would be reconciled to God, to be brought into a right standing with God. And the only way to do that is through faith alone, by grace alone, and Christ alone, his work on their behalf. Now, we talk about don't forget. There's probably some things in your life that you should forget. As you make this transition, there's probably some things that you should leave behind. There's probably been some unhealthy things that have crept in there. And I know that that's true because I was once like you are now. So leave those things behind. 
There were probably even some unhealthy people in your life. Go ahead and leave them behind too. Pray for them. If you get a chance, tell them about Jesus, but leave some of those relationships behind that were not healthy. You should not, though, forget your God and leave him behind. You should not leave behind God's word in the process. He should make the cut. We talk about everything being on the chopping block here. He should make the cut when it comes to the things that are worth holding on to. You're never going to thrive in your life apart from him and his word. In fact, living life with him is the only place you really will find the joy that you're really after. Every person is looking for joy. People in the world are looking for it. They're just never satisfied by the things they find. They are for a moment. The Bible even tells us there's pleasure in sin for a season. But it never lasts. It never satisfies. There is no joy to be found apart from him. So I hope that you'll include him in your life. I hope you see that. I hope you'll cling to him. I hope you remind yourself of this even when you're off doing whatever it is that you're doing. And I know for some of you that may be still living here in the area and hopefully coming and visiting your, your older brother here and your other brothers and sisters here. Let's uh, have a word of prayer and then we'll move on. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we could look at some of these promises, look at some of these reminders, look at some of these verses, these truths from your word. Pray that they would have an impact on these young people, that they wouldn't forget what you've done for them, how much you love them, and that you have a plan for their lives. Pray that we would enjoy this time of fellowshipping with them and celebrating this accomplishment on their part, their graduation from high school. Pray that we could just uh, everybody be encouraged by that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Why don't... Why don't I'm teasing, but I'm going to read through the list here. They're, they're, they happen to be in alphabetical order, assuming that I have my alphabet straight when I did this. But we got Cody Falstrom, Cora Forslane, and I, some Forslane or Forslane, Lean. Okay, so I've heard it both ways. It's Lean for those of you who are doing it wrong. Okay, then we have Juliana Mans, Molly Osepic. We have Keegan Rudabush. Abby Sundich couldn't be here with us today, but she has been associated with our church and participated in an awful lot of things with our church over the years as she's grown up here. Uh, she couldn't be with us, but I have a, a note that she actually that I'll read for her. And then uh, Joanna Westby. Some of you know her as Joe. Some of you know her as the middle child. So <laughs> I know her as the middle child. All right, so that's our graduates. Why don't we take a seat? We'll let them all sit down, and then we're going we're gonna to see which ones of them want to come share anything with you. Um, I know, Cody, were you planning on saying something? All right, we'll have, we'll have Cody come up first. This is Cody Falstrom. Hello. My name is Cody Falstrom. My parents are Eric and Becky Falstrom. I'm planning on continuing my education at Vermilion Community College in the pursuit of a watershed science degree with the intent to transfer on to Bemidji College uh, to complete my bachelor's degree. I would like to extend a huge thanks to all my 
Sunday school teachers, camp counselors, and team captains, and Bible school teachers. They have been a constant source of encouragement throughout my life. Some of my favorite memories are playing games at camp with my friends and playing ping pong with Pastor Gus. <laughs> Lastly, I would like to inc- conclude with a verse that has been a great reinsurance in times of trial in my life. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 14:27. Thank you. Thanks for that, Cody. Cody was also nice, and to celebrate his graduation, he decided not to play basketball on Thursday night, so he, I was able to shoot a couple of shots without getting blocked, so that was nice. <laughs> Usually if he's there, well, the problem is I, I'm a terrible shooter, so I can, only, I can only shoot from close, and he blocks everything that's close to the rim, so that was nice of him. Cora Forslein is up uh, next here. You, did you want to say something? All right, Cora's going to come up and share something with you. Hi, I'm Cora Forslane. Um, I want to share with you my favorite verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. Some of my favorite memories are Sunday school, and I just want to thank all my teachers that I had. And I also want to thank Pastor Gus for supporting me and coming to lots of my basketball games. He gave me some great tips after the games. <laughs> um, my future plans are to go to St. Cloud State University and um, go into business. And I'm also playing basketball there. Thank you. Well, you know what they say, those who can't do coach, so... Cora is a spectacular athlete in general, but great basketball player, fun to watch. Uh, Juliana Mance, we'll have her come up now. Uh, hello, my name is Juliana Love Mance. Um, I am the daughter of Mickey and Linnea Mance and granddaughter of John and Sherry Hanuxala. Um, Without them, I obviously wouldn't be here. Um, Since I was born, I have come to Heritage Trail while visiting my grandparents, and then when we moved up here, it became my home church. Um, I have been taught about the Lord and my salvation through my parents, grandparents, and aunts and uncles, but also through the people here at Heritage Trail who have always made me feel at home, welcomed, accepted, and loved. I can honestly say that I would not be saved if it wasn't for the teaching here at Heritage Trail and my family. I'm graduating from high school this year. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) me! I'm excited to start thinking about my future and all the the decisions that I will have to make. Um, I'm interested in many things like real estate, home interior, and cosmetology. Um, While deciding what I'm going to do, I have to keep in mind what God wants me to do. This reminds me of one of my favorite verses, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Remember, oh, sorry. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your, all, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. This verse helps me remember that I am not alone in the decisions that I make and to remember that God's plan or will is the only way that I could or will be happy. The second verse I would like to share is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I, know I, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So I know I have, I know that God have, has a plan for me. I just have to be willing to receive it, listen and receive it. And uh, the last verse I would like to share is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This helps me remember not to worry about or be anxious, which is very common for me. I tend to overthink everything. That is why this is more a novel than a speech. Uh, I'd like to thank my parents. Uh, for raising me in a Christian household, being able to grow in Christ and teach me to live my life for God every day. I'd also like to thank my parents and grandparents for bringing me to Sunday school, Bible school, and camp growing up. These were and still are my favorite parts of the summer. I'd like to thank my Sunday school teachers, camp counselors, and pastors for all their dedication, knowledge, and encouragement. Uh, Lastly, I'd just like to thank everybody for allowing me to share this part of my life with you. Thank you. All right, thanks for that. That was that was great. Thanks. Um, next up is Molly Osepic, and and she would rather meet with you guys individually, not not come up here, and that's perfectly fine. Um, she she is here and. And she wants to celebrate with you, but the fact of the matter is this is terrifying to be, be up here. And, and certain personalities, it's just not a great fit. So uh, we don't, again, we don't make anybody uh, come up here or do anything. I do want to say a few things about Molly. Molly is somebody that I've known since she was very little, coming to Bible camps. And even before I was the pastor here, I was very involved in youth camps, especially the youngest age groups, and so I remember having a lot of fun times with Molly at camp, and she's been a part of this church growing up, going through Sunday school. Most recently, she's been actually helping in some of the Sunday school uh, classes, and we're really happy to have her be a part of our church, and we're happy that she's able to graduate and be a part of our celebration here today. So when you have a chance uh, during the luncheon and afterwards, uh, certainly take a minute to ch- chat with Molly about maybe what her, her what, whatever it is that you end up chatting about. <laughs> so, uh, so Molly's, uh, Molly's in, the, in, in the back here. All right, Keegan Rudabush will have, he wanted to say something, we'll have him come up next year. Hello, my name is Keegan Rudbush. Um, I didn't really prepare a speech, so <clears throat> this will kind of just be off the dome here. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go to University of Wisconsin-Superior, where I'm going to study business finance and economics and hopefully become sort of a, a, like a financial advisor or something in that field. Um, some of my favorite memories include coming to church, just being with everybody, um, going to camp, enjoying the competitiveness of it, freaking out when I win, freaking out when I lose. Um, and then that two-hour span every Sunday when me and Dawson were little, we'd run around with no uh, supervision. And, um, but yeah, um, my favorite verse is also Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but you don't need to hear it again. So another one that kind of sticks out to me is Philippians 4, 13. Um, that verse is really important to me because when I was in second grade, I dislocated my hip, and I was stuck at home all summer. I missed um, summer camp, all that. And the church, well, I don't know who it was exactly, but they got me this little picture with the verse on it. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I got that, I kind of felt a sense of, like, togetherness and, like, family, even when it's not my tight, like, actual family. And that kind of brings me to my next point. Um, before we started, Pastor came and he said, um, use this time to uh, go up there, thank, and show your appreciation for who has helped you in your life. So I started to think, I'm like, okay, I could thank this person for that, this person for that, whatever. But what it came to is there's everybody, the whole church family has helped me all the way up and has helped me grow as a believer, and so i just like to thank you all as a whole. Um, and I know I have confidence and reassurance that you'll help me grow in my future, so thank you. All right. Well, Abby Sund- Sunditch is who comes alphabetically next here, and she, she had a, another commitment before this got scheduled that couldn't be changed and, and that's just the way it goes we, there's no possible way to get every schedule to align we would never be able to pick a, a week but Abby of course has been a big part of this church too in the sense that she's been connected to many of the different activities over the years she's come here she's gone to Sunday school she's gone to vacation Bible school she's been at camp she was on my, on my team at camp at least once I think two or three times though Actually, they all kind of blend together to some extent. But I have fond memories of her and spending time with her, and I'm glad that we could celebrate her today even in her absence. And she wrote, she wrote something here that she's asked me to read, so I'll read it for you. Dear Heritage Trail Church, first off, due to a prior commitment, I'm sorry that I'm not able to be in attendance today. I am thankful to be a part of this celebration when I'm currently out of state. I would like to first thank everybody who has prayed for me over the years and most of all to my Bible school teachers. I was able to understand salvation by grace at the age of seven. My faith in God has guided me through some difficult years during my youth. I focused on reading, which helped with my academic achievements. I have graduated from Masabi Community College with my AA degree. I have been accepted into Hamlin University and plan on studying English and possibly pre-law. My desire is to make a difference in the lives of people who are less fortunate. While doing a Bible study with my mother, a verse that spoke to my heart was Psalm 34, 6. It reads, This poor man called, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. It is my desire that others may come to know Christ as their personal Savior so that they too may reap the blessing 
blessings God has given to believers. In closing, again, a special thanks to the believers in this church that have faithfully prayed for my family and I throughout the years. A song that I have enjoyed throughout the years is Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone by Chris Tomlin. My purpose here on earth is to serve my almighty Savior in Christ, Abby Sunditch. So I guess we'll clap for her even though she's not here. Sure glad she could be a part of, of our large extended family over the years. Well, up, up last here, we won't, not least, up last, Joanna Wesby. Um, hi, I'm Joanna Wesby, or the middle child, I guess. Um, my favorite verse is Isaiah 48. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. A lot of my favorite memories at Heritage Trail Bible Church consist of being at Bible camp. During camp, I was able to make a lot of brothers and sisters in the faith and make friends. Some of the best memories during camp were playing spike ball at night, swimming with my cousins, and sitting by the fire listening to other believers' testimonies. My future plans are to go to Masabi Range College to get a degree in graphic design and play volleyball while I wait to get into the dental hygiene program at Lake Superior College. Now for the thank yous. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for raising me up to be a Christian in this wonderful Bible-believing church. Thank you to all of my Sunday school teachers, vacation Bible school teachers, and camp counselors for helping me grow during my walk with Christ. And I'd also like to thank my fellow classmates for being the first friends that I've had. Good luck in the future. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to conclude this, if you call it, formal portion of our celebration here this morning. There is a meal that is being put on by the parents of the graduates that you're invited to stay and participate in. The Most of you realize where the fellowship hall is. I'm pointing 